Trent Lou. Just welcome to another Four Routes, the program where we gather every day at this time. Well, we do it Monday through Friday. And what we do when we gather is continue to address the issues between rural and urban America. My counselor says that it's Thursday. That would mean that we'd go with Amanda Radke. Yeah, I got a feeling it's going to be a hard pull today to deal with Amanda Radke. Just you, one of those days. Like- I can tell by the moon. You can you act like it's such a burden that I come on on Thursdays. It's like pulling a calf. You, you sometimes you think I really do with this, and then after the success of getting the calf out, you're like, oh, I actually accomplished something today. That's about what it's like dealing with you every Thursday. You know, I I weirdly get that, so it's fine. But today's show is going to be worth it. <laughs> All right, we'll go make it worth it. I have a very awesome guest today. Honestly, first time meeting him in real, in person, or I guess virtually, but he uh, had an interesting tweet that I just couldn't ignore. And so reached out to him on Twitter and asked him if he would join us. Cole Bolton of KNC Cattle from Cedar Creek, Texas. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, uh, thankful to be on and thank y'all for having me. So Trent, I don't know if you saw the tweet, oh. but it... It kind of went viral. Uh, I did the, not see the tweet you're talking about, but I have seen different things that Cole and his lovely wife posted in the recent times. And I just never did what you did, took the initiative to reach out. So, hey, I'm going to give you a compliment. Good job, Amanda. Yeah. Well, get a load of this tweet, and then you'll you'll know why I had to have him on the show. He okay. said, corporate Corporate America will no longer control my family's or our customers' protein supply. Ladies and gentlemen, hometown meat market and processing in, is it Luling, Texas? Luling? Is just a few weeks away from opening, and we are ready to help feed a nation. So it plays into what we're talking about. We're talking about always, right, is to step outside of a system that's broken and make new pathways to success. And Cole is living it, breathing it, and doing it. And apparently inspiring a lot of other people along the way. So Cole, congratulations on your your efforts. I guess maybe just to start, could you tell us a little bit about Hometown Meat Market? Yes, ma'am. Um, so I, I was fortunate. Uh, as I got into the meat business three, four years ago, I'd been on the commercial side of agriculture forever, raising cattle, selling the feed yards or preconditioning. And um, I got into this and there was a gentleman uh, that I knew through, uh, I'm a banker by trade and uh, I knew this, this guy and, and he was real heavily involved in the Angus Association and we got together. I wanted some of his genetics and he needed to sell a calf crop and that was kind of my expertise. And uh, so I helped him contract some cattle and our relationship partnership started. Uh, we've continued to raise cattle over the last couple of years, and it started off, I was selling a calf or two here and there uh, for, for freezer beef. And then um, it just kept growing. I started um, adding some restaurant partners, some small farm-to-table uh, distributors, and then just kind of decided on my own, look, there's no point in me paying other people or letting them take the margin from me. I'm going to try to integrate this more and more. Um and so we kind of joined our, our, our genetics together. Um, I've started taking, you know, using our own calf crops. And then uh, we looked up and all of a sudden we're doing 15, 20 head a week. And so I 
he and I have been looking at the opportunity to build or to purchase a processing plant. And none of them, none of them really just fit our model. Uh, his ranch is located in Luling, and we were just really blessed. The city of Luling was dying for commerce um, and business that wasn't oil and gas related. Um, we're in Texas. That's kind of a big deal down here. And so we just found the spot, and, and uh, the city has been just phenomenal as far as working with us and trying to bring that what you know the agriculture lifestyle back and and really highlight that and he and i broke ground um it's been a very long process but uh we're finally at the at the end but in short that is how we came together and got started and we wanted our vision was to build something to where we could really focus on a geographic area to supply uh to supply beef and i'm also part of another group called the beef initiative and with that it kind of expanded our reach to where we're shipping meat in 48 states every day so cole we dabble in this as well we don't do retail on we sell halves of beef not much because we sell halves in the certified piedmontese system so the only thing i heard that i didn't like was that whole angus cult thing but other than that it sounds like a winner uh, but we do sell pit pork via retail, and I can sell pork anywhere in the United States. It's the cost of distribution and make sure that the, the, the transportation and shipping doesn't cost more than the, the beef itself. How have you put a, kept that in check? So I've partnered with some other producers so that we had volume power to go to UPS and some of these carriers to get significantly reduced rates in our overnight shipping. Um, it has helped, but with that, I've really tried to, to rein my uh, immediate service area back into Texas. Um, right. Most of my packages, as long as I keep it below a certain weight threshold, I can tell mm-hmm. you to the T about what it's going to cost to ship ground, and I'm comfortable with that. Um, we do have an insurance program, so that helps when packages are lost, stolen, or, or what happens uh, with that. None of us have mastered it, or no one that I have found uh, that's doing this has mastered it. But I think more and more people are starting to recognize the value of having higher quality beef, whether it's Angus, Piedmontese, you pick your breed. Limousine, um, but you no include one, limousine or Amanda yeah. throwing a fit too. Yeah. <laughs> Limousine in there, Hereford, Charlie. Uh, there you go. Now you can figure it out. <laughs> but, uh, you know, people value and, and that exchange of value for value, and it continues to grow. And each week, as I prepare to have this huge drop in sales, we continue just to, to add on a little and add on a little. And we've been very blessed with that. Well, you're, you're speaking my language, and this is, I mean, this is just something – I harp on all the time because we see producers just increasingly exiting this industry. It's just a really tough go. And, you know, it doesn't seem like the packer is really giving folks a fair shake and it's really hard to capture that true market value. And yet on the flip side of things in the last couple of years, I've just seen such a demand from the everyday consumer wanting to stockpile their freezers. And in fact, when my sister graduated from college, it was in the heart of the pandemic. She couldn't even go buy a deep freeze because they were all sold out. And to me, that was just such a huge signal that, hey, here's a window of opportunity for us to really connect with our producer 
And why are we leaving that all for the for the big guys to play? And and just even more than that, I see these big processing plants that are coming up. Some of the they're going to be the biggest in the nation, and one right here in South Dakota if it comes to fruition. And it's exciting, but it doesn't give me the hope like like a, a family stepping up to the plate and working with other local producers and making something that's you know mid size or smaller and giving an opportunity to people right in their area. So. I think there needs to be a more robust um, processing plants across the country, meaning all these little small ones that that really add some diversity to the marketplace. And and so it's exciting to me to see what you're doing. And I hope you can kind of iron out all the kinks and then tell all the rest of us what to do. <laughs> That's your next business venture is teaching a class. Oh, well, I've, I've learned a, a very expensive uh, lesson in distribution and or distribution, uh, online retail, uh, construction. So I'm happy to share. Yeah, no, you don't seem that excited about that. And we'll let you master the processing side of things. So your grand opening is Monday, correct? What 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 do you have planned? Yeah, well, so we're going to kind of just have a soft opening on our side. Um, we're going to start processing some of our own personal beef um, for the next two weeks. I want to make sure that we've perfected our system. And then we're going to announce a, a formal grand opening in probably two weeks uh, and bring the public in to see our facility. Awesome. And we are at that point in time, Amanda Radke, Bolton. We will take a break. We'll come back and continue to talk about what pitfalls we might need to avoid and how we make this work. And ironically, I'm coming to you today from North Platte, Nebraska, where one of those beef plants that Amanda was talking about is breaking ground uh, in October. We'll be back with more Roll Out after this. Well, in a bigger way, that's exactly what we're talking about here today with coal is what we do with certified Piedmontese. We network a group of producers together, Great Plains producers, we put together about 25,000 head a year, to be honest, and uh, that's why it works. We're able to distribute this product in a decent volume and get more money to the producer. At the end of the day, that's the moral of what we're talking about in every single aspect. How can we get the producer more of what it takes to offset these increased expenses? Certified Piedmontese is making that happen for producers all throughout the Great Plains of America. More details about how you are a part of the Certified Piedmontese system by going to the website, LoneCreekCattleCo.com. Let's be straight. It's about using the Certified Piedmontese sires that possess one copy. Your, your bull will have two copies, whether that be via semen or natural service. Your calves will have at least one copy, unless you got some myostatin in your cows. Then it's all good. Details at LoneCreekCattleCo.com. back roll route trent Lewis alongside amanda radke finally she brings a good guest cole bolton <laughs> hey now thank you i'm, I'm awesome. just kidding you hey, hey it wouldn't be a normal day if i wasn't trying to get you you know revved up for some reason or another you know someone North- told me earlier this week trent i didn't want to ruffle your feathers and i said don't worry they're already all ruffled so there's <laughs> no, nothing you could say i am in I am in North Platte, Nebraska. Last night had the opportunity to speak for the Lincoln County Cattlemen's. And the reason I mentioned North Platte is because that is the site of one of those beef plants, a $900 million beef plant, $900 million beef plant being built. And um, 
I would totally agree with the that we have four of those of that size, one being an Amarillo. And now this week, Cheyenne, Wyoming announces they're going to build one at $1.1 billion, along with the one Amanda mentioned at $1.1 billion, and this one in North Platte at $900 million. Guys, I got to tell you, there's one major flaw in putting together a beef plant that's going to process 8000 a day. You've got to have somebody show up to run a knife. And uh, so, Cole, that's my exactly first thought right. when you're talking about you're building a plant, how many employees will you need to keep staying running? So um, initially, we're trying to start off with twenty, and we've uh, we're about fifteen of those hired. But at full capacity, we'll need probably forty-five. Um, there, there's been some challenges. Mm-hmm. Fortunately for us, we're in a smaller town that's a suburb out of Austin, and a lot of people are getting tired of having to drive in, fight traffic. Um, and the cost of living still is reasonable out here. You drive 10 more miles and it accelerates 40%. And so we've been able to get uh, some, most all our folks are local. Um, I had to bring butchers from all across the country, but that was a little bit different, um, different deal. But um, it, it, it's going to be some real challenges. Uh, I talk to a lot of other processors frequently, uh, even some of the big ones. And, you know, we're all having talent struggles and with these large plants coming online i i think they're going to have a very very hard time hitting that roi that their investors are going to require just because of who and how they're going to be able to hire people well and there is the huge vulnerability go ahead well my my whole structure what they're putting together is it's been tried before by producer entities and what happens is they get it up and running, and three, five years from now, that ROI, like you were talking about, just suffocates them. Plus, you have the whole market aspect where the, people, the three packers that they were trying to deal with could leverage at the retail level, and they don't give you the, the small same space on the shelf that they give to the people who are there every single day, and they'll, they'll undercut you. All it takes is a penny. A penny more, the consumer is not going to buy your product, and, and and then what happens is that one of the big three comes in and buys this plant, all of this equity for thirty cents on the dollar, and so I, I just don't that's not the model going forward on what in my mind, I'm echoing what Amanda said earlier, trying to get like as my idea, but the regional food system and coal, what you're talking about doing is exactly what is in demand going forward. You have struggles in my mind because i got enough experience in this realm to know where the people are. It's easy for you to get 20 employees today. Let's talk a year from now and see how many of them are still doing that day-to-day grind. And two, nobody gives any attention to this, but this is the disadvantage that Cole is going to have, and I'm putting this in the form of a question on how he's handling this. Those big packers that we always complain about, they sell the meat. And they get along okay, but where they have the distinct advantages, they have value of maybe a hundred plus dollars. I'm talking about intestines and guts and tongues and feet and all these other things and hides. And they've restricted the market so that you can't even tap into any of that off-all market, particularly with a hide, unless you're in their system. So those two questions, Cole, how have you factored those into your plan? Well, I tried to get ahead of that. Uh, when we had our preliminary plans with the plant, my first, uh, 
my first goal was to find a place for hides and I have landed a contract to move every hide that we have. Um, you know, O-fall wise stomachs and hooves. I, I, I have not found a market on that yet. Um, however, we do have folks that are wanting to buy all our blood for fertilizer because we do some regenerative stuff, uh, on our ranch anyway. Um, but now we have a huge following of folks with the remaining O-fall that are having us make uh, that that caveman blend with ground beef because it's healthier and, and has a lot of, of nutritious benefits to it. So we're, we're blending it in on, on ground beef, and it has a specific label um, that will be that mountain man or caveman blend, um, and that's really helping. And then I sell a lot of, of remaining O-fall to a dog food, a local dog food manufacturer. They, they're not nationwide. It's more of a – a healthier premium product in the dog food world, but it's, I've been able to maintain balance on all of our O-fall uh, at 25 heads. So um, hopefully we'll be able to grow to scale with that. The the mountain man caveman thing really interests me. I'm pretty plugged into like the keto paleo community. They're all meat lovers, but I've actually never heard of this. Like, so they're specifically asking you to blend in like liver and heart into the ground beef. Is that we do? do you uh, get... Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, do you get a pretty good premium then for that or? You know, I, I really don't. Uh, yes, I get I get a good price. Uh, would be at five dollars and 75 cents a pound uh for the mixture um yes it, it's a great premium for ofall but it's pretty much in line with where our grind is and and with that and with our fat content blend uh, you know all of our beef are not implanted uh, they've never had hormone or ever had antibiotics and so a lot of our, our very health sensitive customers really appreciate that and um, it just gave us another way in which we could market another product Awesome. You're, you're screwing up the plan for my guest, Steve Sanderson, who will be on again tomorrow. He's a, a veteran of the United States Army, uh, Air Force. I'm sorry, Steve. And uh, he goes to the store and buys beef hearts because it's the cheapest product he can buy. And he says it tastes the best. But if you, you do this thing, it goes big. You're going to increase his cost of buying a beef heart. <laughs> Uh, we still sell, you know, what's crazy, it, for two years, I couldn't hardly move O-Fall, and now uh, our liver and heart, I move 150, 200 pounds a week, and that's just on a real small scale. It's it, it's crazy how many people are finally accepting that. So I've been spending a lot of time in our email uh, and social media platforms. I, I have a chef that I work with, and he, we target nothing but lower end cuts of beef and teach people new recipes and how to cook with them and the nutrition value behind it um, so that we could help keep that model moving and get people and consumers used to buying a quarter beef and, or a half and not being intimidated and learning other ways they can use ground beef when it's, you know, 30, 40% of your 35, 40% of your carcass, but also teaching them other cuts besides roast. Cause our, our cut sheet's pretty robust. We cut a lot more steaks than most people that, that take their calf to the lo- local butcher uh, are able to get. Cole, I, I can tell you've given us a lot of thought because everybody who wants to get in the direct beef sale business, they always focus on the, the ribeyes and they forget about all those other products. And if you don't add, because that all that you don't put a value to it, you got to pay somebody to take it. So you're taking a different, making a difference between capturing a value of that product as opposed to 
so many people are paying somebody to take it, and you just can't make it work. And that will break people that think they're going to sell direct. I think it's just, you know, talking about the challenges that exist, I think it's it's obvious there are challenges and there are things that you're going to have to work through. But to me, it's just like the more you talk, the more excited I get because it's it's a solution to so many of our industry woes. And it gives people an opportunity to kind of capture that market value and get closer to the consumer. And yeah, I think once the general public buys into to you and to your story and to that service you're providing, like it's only going to grow because people are kind of tired of the old model too on the consumer side, on the retail side, and they want something better. They want to shop their ethics. And I think that's what you're doing. And we're going to talk more about that after this break, aren't we, Trent? <laughs> Roll routes and we'll be back. Amanda says, it's time to go. Let me go. More cool than Amanda after this. And now we talk about immune health. We talk about health in general. The world's authority on nitric oxide production, Dr. Nathan Bryan, explains. We've got about 14 COVID clinics around the U.S. where we have a, a nitric oxide drug trial going on. I'm exposed to COVID probably every day. You know, pre-COVID, we as humans are exposed to viruses and bacteria every day of our life. That's just the world we live in. Some people get sick, some people don't. Why do some people get sick and why do others not? It all boils down to their ability to generate nitric oxide and to have certain things replete in their body like vitamin D, zinc, vitamin C, selenium. If you're nutrient deficient, you're going to get sick. If you can't make nitric oxide, you're going to get sick. If you do all these things, you can be exposed to, to COVID or any other virus, and your immune system nips it in the bud, and you don't get sick from it. It's really that simple. We're going to change this ordering process up to make it simpler. Go to loosetailsmedia.com. Loosetailsmedia.com. There will be an order mechanism there, and if you want more of the science, I'll get that to you from Dr. Nathan Bryan. Loosetailsmedia.com. It's N-O-2-U. The, the product's the same. The place you get it is different. Welcome back. Trent Luce alongside Amanda Radke, Cole Bolton joining us. I think Cole's still here. No, actually, maybe he's not. He's gone. G and I. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, Trent, always, this, all you Sorry have to do that. that's okay. I was about ready to defend your honor anyway. I bring this guy up. I, 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 wait, wait, wait a minute. I'm not, not destroying his honor. No, you're, you're like telling him all the reasons he's going to fail. And I'm like just so no, excited. That's not, no, that's not true. I am I'm sharing with what I know causes most people who try to do what he's do, doing to not work. And he's got everything covered that we brought up. So this is a this is going to be a flaming success. Yeah, he does all the, all the ironed out. Maybe not his cell phone. But everything yeah. else. I, I'm assuming he's going to run the plant better than he runs that cell phone. I'm making that yeah, assumption. I think, I think it'll all be there. Cool. I, I'd like to hear what was the response to your your viral tweet, and I did notice you you tagged Joe Rogan in that tweet too. What were some of the interesting comments you got? Maybe not. Well, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> what did you see for interesting comments, Amanda? <laughs> I see a lot of folks. Some guy wrote, "I just bought a whole cow for my freezer. Harvest date was last Tuesday. If you can afford it, buy in bulk. Hard times are ahead. Vacuum sealed meat will last two years in a freezer." A lot of congratulations. A lot of people really exciting. 
someone had to add in insects are not on the keto diet. I'll stick to beef. Definitely not eating bugs. Uh, let's see. We need more people like you. We raise the beef and have a heck of a time finding open slots for our customer orders. Congrats on your new venture. Mm-hmm. It was pretty po- largely pretty positive. No, I would no, say. no, no negative slams coming in these comments. No, but we could talk about fake meat. And, you know, I don't know if you saw this. I know you saw this, Trent. Everybody saw it. But the COO of Beyond Meat, he must have had a hankering for some real, real, no, real he, food. No, no, he didn't. There's no food in a nose. That's all cartilage. There's no meat in a nose. All right. Well, this guy got arrested for literally biting a man's nose off. Yeah, I'm just thinking, what the heck is in that meat patty to make this guy like an animal? Like, mm-hmm. just go get a steak, bud. You'll be a lot less ang- angry, you know? You need a shot of B12. Yeah, I'm assuming he also uh, took the jab, and I'm seeing people that are just, they're different. They're, look at the guy in North Dakota, 41 guy that ran eight year old because of his... I think the jab yeah. Can people do stupid things? Sorry, I'm back. What do you think, Cole? <laughs> Cole's back. Take, technology back. <laughs> we were going down a weird rabbit hole anyway, so I'm super glad. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she brought up some guy buying a nose off of a guy and getting arrested. So we went down a big rabbit hole. That was a good story. Own beef plant. I mean, that's what you get when yeah. you eat stuff. You go insane, literally. Like, it's, it's a real deal, and everybody will be happier. Absolutely. So, what what do you feel like you'd have a better handle on coal and making this thing go? Well, one of the things um, I was I, I was talking to someone about yesterday. You know, we've been doing we've been doing a lot of distribution and. Continuing to educate customers is pretty much all we spend time on. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> we're going to really have to focus heavily through our social media platform on educating a new uh, a new brand of consumer. Because you know, 20 years ago, beef checkoff, everyone knew about you know beef. It's what's for dinner, um, and now so many of our customers are asking to come to the ranch, asking to see our facility, asking all these different questions, which, you know, it's hard sometimes as, as, as a producer, you're, you're busy, you're checking cattle, you're, you know, your long list of never ending chores. Do you want to stop and spend 20 minutes with someone? Well, when I can take that same, uh, that same meeting and, and education experience with that customer and even be able to film or put, put pieces of it on our social media and reach another 5,000. That's 5,000 more people. They're more prone to positively continue to buy, uh, not just in my sector, but for all of, of the small producers, it gives us another customer. So my encouragement and what I hope is I can get more and more producers to continue to educate, um, and touch lives of, of sp- these young people that are coming up because they don't even know where milk comes from. Um, other than all five at the grocery store, uh, you know, steaks are, are, are created and, and, you know, we all have seen, I'm sure what stock prices have done to beyond meats, it's plummeting. So what that tells me is people aren't receiving the quality of it. Let's take advantage now and make sure we're in front of this stuff as they continue, you know, 
corporate America and uh, some of these goofy companies continue to put this uh, this type of, of, of content and protein out in, in public eyes, I want to make sure that my customer never thinks twice about doing it. In fact, I don't care if they ever go to another grocery store again for protein. I want them to go directly to the source. I love it. And yeah. Uh, a cool thing that I don't. Oh, go ahead, my man. Well, I was just going to say, you know, touching on making videos and being an advocate and just telling our story. You know, I, I feel like some producers, when I go give speeches on this topic, they don't really see the tangible value of it because there's just kind of like every man for himself. But at the end of the day, if you do have something, a marketable product, there is like you can get a direct, like a direct sale, a direct, you know, connection back to your operation. It, it doesn't have to reach everybody on a national scale. I mean, you can talk about advocacy right in your small town and in, in wherever rural America you're located. And I, my husband and I were joking, we're, we sell quarters of beef locally. And I made one post and, you know, I was having a hard time moving the last couple quarters and I made one post and we sold the rest of it. And I said, well, that's literally like the return on investment on just one social media post. Like that's, it's pretty incredible. And so it's really, it, it's, it's just people, you know, that go to your church or your school, or you see at the grocery store, like just them buying into you, that local farmer. I think, I think that trend is just going to continue to grow as we see kind of a disconnect uh, from everyday consumers, not trusting the big guys, you know, like they once did. You chased them off to- again. <clears throat> I yeah. know. Yeah. Well, I actually did accidentally the same kind of thing, and I knew it would happen. You know, my buddy, your buddy, Mike Smith, Smithsky, yeah, welding shop from Holdridge, Nebraska, made me a, a holder. And the, the traditional way is that you take a, a market hog, 300 pounds, you have a 200-pound carcass, you take it to a butcher shop, and you, you, you make the process go. We do that almost every week. We do it a couple times. We do it two ways. We go to custom exemplars. You can put your animal in there and butcher it for you. Or you can go to USDA inspected plant where you can sell a piece. Well, you got to be innovative. You got to continue to find ways to do things. And, and the challenge we have is cost because everybody knows that feed ingredients are expensive, more expensive than ever. And the, the feed costs are suffocating. So I made me a, a hog scalder, and it'll scald up to an 80-pound pig. And I posted a picture of the pig hanging hook. I posted a picture of the pig, me scraping the hair off the 80-pound pig. And I posted a picture of me cooking the shoulder from an 80-pound pig. But people who scald the pig take the hair off the hole. I didn't want to do that because we didn't have a gathering. We were just doing us. You know how many people have asked me for roaster pigs since I did that? A lot. It's crazy. Yeah. I guess you're going to have to quit that radio gig and just be selling pork. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you need. And, and, you know who you need to buy into that just, business? Marty Beard. Instead of being the, the, the manure guy in town, no. he could be the hog roaster. No. I don't need. Projects with Marty Beard. Well, fine. He can come be my hog roaster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he won't. He he just lives for one thing. Go to chase a 
every night. That's what he lives for. So more <laughs> power to him for that. Uh, I thought the you know little hog roasting story would be enough uh, lobbying time, filibuster time to get coal back online, but the, we must have technological challenges in Texas today. Yeah, I guess it's when technology fails. Tune in on Wednesdays to Roll Route and JC Cole will tell you all about it. And I know that every person who raises life, probably not every person, but the majority of people who raise livestock, they romance doing what Cole is talking about doing. I'm here to Cole. tell you, I've been in it long enough. We had our own meat label. Kelly and I got our own meat label in 1995. That's how long we've been dabbling in this system of direct sales. It's not as easy as it's made out Tremendous fall. That's what I mean. It's like you've got those figured out. There'll be more than and I think if he figures it out like he figures out his phone, he, he's very resilient. He just keeps coming back. <laughs> Man, I don't know what is going on. I, I'm, I'm having all kinds of problems this morning. Yeah. Well, well we're, we're going to blame. Do you have a cold? Do you have a bite mark on your nose or nobody's biting your nose or anything? Not yet. <laughs> You know, it's like um, this guy for uh, Beyond Meats has watched too many stock dog competitions, and he thinks the way that a border collie bites the nose of a calf to make it do what he wants. He, 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 he thought he learned too much. I don't know. We just have one minute, and then we're going to go to a break. But you, you missed my whole rendition of me talking about now selling 80-pound roaster pigs because I had a buddy make a scalder. And, and the moral of that story oh, is basically what what you're what you're doing is innovative and find a new way to do something. Give us just a thirty second teaser and what's the innovative part that you put into play, and then we'll come back with the last segment. So, uh, one of the more innovative things for us is we uh, we have figured out how to in, inside our plant how to accelerate uh, production and actually not have to have uh, people. So we've gone to a conveyor system to help take rid of, of some of the, the hard labor uh, pieces of it. Mm. Wow. There you go. That's innovative. Minimizing that pay dividends. Trust me. We'll be back with the last segment. Roll route. Amanda and I will be here. We'll see if Cole makes it after this. <laughs> you know, I've long been a fan of coal as an energy source because we have the resource. It's abundant. It's very efficient to convert into electricity. And again, I misspoke. We capture the electricity from the burning of coal that lights up our nation. Life is powered by coal. And we have people trying to take away coal, which means they're trying to take away your life. Lignite Energy Council educates people about the importance. Go to lignite.com. Back. Cole Bolton, did you make it? Are you still here? I'm here. Uh, how far are you from Austin? I am. Uh, sorry, our processing facility is about 38, we'll call it 40 miles. Um, my ranch is actually in the city limits of Austin. Uh, I'm three minutes from the Austin oh. uh, ABIA airport. Wow. What well, we've done, uh, trust me, me too. <laughs> where's, the, where's the retail? So retail, we have uh, currently uh, our little meat shop. We're 
as a set of ranches by the airport. Elon Musk is my neighbor. Tesla is literally right across the street. And that's where our little meat shops or our meat shop is located. We're a little bitty old storage building. Uh, actually not old, brand new, but it is a little bitty. And out of that thing, we ship 10,000 pounds of, of, of meat a week. We have two shipping container connexes, uh, that are, uh, that are, are, for, are uh, reefer units, and uh, that's where we move all our product. Be careful what you share, Cole, because this week, Grand Island, Nebraska, three semi-loads of beef, each one worth $250,000, were stolen and still AWOL. So, you know, you got to balance all of that out. And well, let's talk about that. Because when the population, you think this is cool, because I got a lot of people to sell stuff to, you got to change everything about security. Nonstop. Um, you know, we have we have razor wire fence around our meat shop, which is pretty embarrassing. But because of so much construction and really the traffic flow and where we're at, uh, we have a full security system, and we really have to we have to battle that. And then, uh, kind of one of the joking things on some of these podcasts that I've done recently is uh, we have our challenges too when drunk people hit fences and cattle get out. Um, I had about 200 head of yearlings uh, get out because a city worker came on our property. They're working on putting a, a road easement in, left a gate open, and I just weaned the night before. And uh, oh. it's a lot different. <laughs> it's a lot different when uh, security. <laughs> you're trying to uh, rope 200 yearlings in a in uh, on a road that gets about 150,000 vehicles a day. That's not a lot of fun. <laughs> so, are you optimistic? Like I, I talk to a lot of <laughs> all these challenges, but it seems like you're facing them head on. Um, you know, I talk to a lot of guys and they're just really pessimistic right now. They're really down. You know, how, how are you feeling about just the state of the, is there hope for the little guy to, to kind of make it and have a goal, real go at it? I do. I think either a, you have to go to scale and you have to scale up, which is what we did. Or B, you're going to have to co-op with other people so that you do have that staying power. Uh, more and more ranchers get together, and that's the model we're trying to really push. Um, it is hard, but, you know, I have my own opinions as far as the output and where I think the commercial cattle industry is going. Um, I, regardless of that, I think it's a perfect opportunity for small players because I look at it two ways. You know, half the country, we've been in a drought now for well, just over the last year, our placements are down significantly, whether it's 20, 30 percent or maybe it's greater. Um, with that, we're inclined to think well, cattle are going to get higher. If that happens, the packer has two options. Option A is they start paying enough for beef and pass that to consumer. Or option B, they start paying up for beef and they shrink that margin down that they've been making, which I don't really see that happening. So what I see is a perfect storm. They pass it along directly to the consumer, which makes beef like trying to buy caviar. And they'll slow the demand down. And then once again, they're right back in the driver's seat. Mm -hmm. Let them do that. Let the small producers come underneath them, just like we've been doing the last two or three years. And we'll just continue to take market share. So when we built our plant, with what you're saying, I actually see positivity because I think for once we, we're we not building a plant to go compete with JBS or Tyson Cargill. I, I don't want to get in the wholesale world at all. In fact, yeah. all I want to do is straight retail. And 
I have no desire to try to put our product against theirs. It's not a day different. But when I can get it to the true end user, that's what I'm targeting. No, no, you cannot. I don't care who you are. You can get Elon Musk to invest in your place, and you're not going to compete with those individuals. At the retail level, the leverage is beyond what you can accomplish. The only avenue you have, which is exactly where you're at, I agree with you 100%. only thing is you have to see. And the C is, and this is what I think is the great challenge for all of the food business, is all packers that we're talking about, Cargill, primarily on this statement, they're invested in alternative protein substances, so they artificially can push the price of beef up and push people over to where their other investment is, and that is something other than actual beef, which, again, you can complain about that, but it truly is your opportunity if you're in the meat business and want to go forward. And that's where it's a difference between being in the meat business and being in the cattle business. That's exactly right. But like Cole said earlier, the consumer just isn't buying the fake meat jargon. It's, It's kind of like I feel like the consumers are even more savvy on this climate change rhetoric and how they see how it's, you know, really buffaloing people and it's just moving money around and it's virtue signaling. And yet within our own ranks in the agricultural industry, I mean, it seems like every entity is buying in it, tripping over themselves to be the first ones to be the most sustainable. So of course, which I've said over and over again on this show and in my speeches, we'll never ever be green enough for the people that actually no. don't want us to exist. And and it's not even the cow that they're after. It's not the methane that they're worried about. It's it's the mouth breathers. It's the humans. These people don't care about the divine human life, period. And so I actually see just so many great champions out there on the consumer end of things. I know, Cole, you retweeted Sean Baker the other day. Incredible voice for our industry. And he doesn't have a single cow. And yet I see him fighting harder for us than most of us in the cattle community are willing to do. Um, so I guess I, well, I, I mean, I see it as a challenge, but I do see it as a great opportunity to connect with like-minded people who share our values, who understand what's at stake, and who want to have access to beef that they can afford and it's good for them because they see the writing on the wall that uh, there's an agenda to take meat off the plate altogether, don't you think? Yeah, that's exactly what I've done. Um, and I'm working with through the beef initiative and a guy named Texas Slim. Um, we've gone and we're meeting with doctors, physicians, dietitians. Uh, we're meeting with strength training coaches. We're trying to find people that actually are not directly involved in production agriculture because in an essence, they really, they are involved and they just don't know it. They're a right. huge proponent and a huge outlier for our success. And the more that we can get them to champion uh, what we're trying to trying to progress and, and the importance of pure animal protein, um, the more and more consumers bite on because they may not want to watch a video about a rancher. They may not like the thought of a processing facility, but if I can get Dr. Sean Baker or some of these others to tell them how great, you know, being able to eat a lean top sirloin is um, and show the medical data behind it, people will listen to that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Regardless uh, of one's political you said today, except, oh, oh, go ahead with that statement. I said, regardless of one's political views, our joke in Austin has been: if you can get this many idiots to put 
put a mask on at one time, you can probably get them to do anything. And uh, uh, I do believe with the right direction, we can we can get people to to stay on board. Yeah. Well, Austin, beat up on him for that little lean. anomaly in, in Texas. It, yeah, I was going to beat up on him for saying lean. There's no reason to include lean fat. By the way, oh, before I give you this little data, I need you, Cole, to raise your right hand so that I can see your fingers. There are, you don't want to see it from the other direction. <laughs> Lord, no. Guns up, Red Raider. No, oh, Texas Tech. Goodness. So that other school, which you don't want to talk about, A&M, actually came out with the best piece of data that nobody wants to latch on to. I'm talking about nobody in numbers. That the fat in beef is the same monounsaturated fat, the marbling is the same monounsaturated fat that you get in olive oil. And we have to stop telling people that lean is the answer because fat is part of essential diet and it is the animal protein and fat that makes people healthy. And so I was going to beat up on you a bit for saying lean and then tie it back to your alma mater. He went to be a Red Raider instead of going to Bryan, Texas. I, I, I couldn't jump into the cult at A&M. It just wasn't my thing. But uh, I, I love – I got I got tons of Aggies, uh, lots of Aggie friends. But, uh, you know, you're exactly right. And that's one thing like Dr. Sean Baker preaches. Um, I was kind of jumping the aisle on that. But pure animal fat is actually we've – been, we've been told for years how unhealthy this is. Um, and, in fact, all the data, the true – the, the truthful data shows otherwise it's better. I sell more and more tallow now than I've ever sold my household. Awesome. We cook completely with tallow and we have a whole nother group of people. Now we're going to start making a tallow product for them. They're, they're going to take it to market um, because your animal fat is cleaner and we need those lipids to make our, our digestive system work correctly. So no, I'm not a proponent of lean beef. You and I are on the same page. Well, with one minute left, let me just add that that guy that ripped that fellow's nose off clearly needed some saturated fats from animal protein, animal sources <laughs> for cognitive thinking. Sherry Bunting shared with me the 2019 Psychology Today reports DHA found in animal fat is critical to, to development of human cortex, the part of the brain responsible for higher order thinking, the highly sophisticated connections necessary for sustained attention, decision making, and complex problem solving. So go eat a steak and you'll think cr- clearly and all, all, all cylinders will be firing and you might not bite somebody's nose off today. Even if it's a well-marbled Angus, I endure, I completely concur. Go eat a steak. And by the way, just so you both know, in 2006, Paul Slayton, who at that time was executive of the Pennsylvania Beef Council, said, Trent, you got to stop talking about fat. People are never going to understand fat as an essential nutrient. We are almost there, and I'm going to continue until everybody gets it. We've successfully journeyed down the road, connected rural and urban America. My thanks to Cole and Amanda. All three of us remind you that all roads lead to a roll route with a well-fed beef nation. I had a tremendous meeting last night in North Platte. In fact, I was representing Protect the Harvest because we really need to partner together. It's harvest time. We need to let people know that there's food available and the challenges can be overcome if we continue to work individually and in unity towards fixing those hurdles. The hurdles, quite frankly, are government getting in the way of us doing our job, planting a seed, cultivating, 
and harvesting. Then have an infrastructure in place to distribute it to the consumer. It works beautifully as long as you remain active in the system, and that's what Protect the Harvest is all about, assisting you being active in the system. We can't be complacent. Got to get involved. ProtectTheHarvest.com for full details. This brochure I handed out last night, it's impactful. You ought to get a hold of one. ProtectTheHarvest.com.